Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limb Hanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community. From legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey. I'll stick around. It's going to be a great show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Got my friend Joey here with me, Joey Bell. We got to spend a lot of time together this week, Joey. Probably some of the best time that I've ever had in the it woods. It was a large time, no doubt. <laughs> I, you know, after a trip like that, um, just a just an ultra successful hunting trip right like uh, we got jared here too jared schaefer's our guest this week and jared knows exactly what i'm talking about i'm sure like you you have successful hunting trips and you've got ultra success like better than you could have ever imagined hunting trips and we got to have one of those and we ain't got we ain't been able to have a whole lot of those i don't think i haven't in my lifetime no not like that jared have you ever had hard to come by have you ever had anything, Jared, like like one where you just like, we went out and we did absolutely everything I could ever dream of? I've had a couple like that, yeah. Um, my mule deer hunt in Wyoming was like that. Caribou in Alaska was like that. Just stuff you dream about. Stuff that you, you never would have guessed it would have turned out the way it did. Yeah, so I've had a couple. It's it's always special when that happens. Um, I'm, I'm amazed every time I go out west, Joey. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I'm like every single time I go and, and I love turkey hunting and I love, I love shooting turkeys and I love the kill aspect of turkey hunting of any kind of hunting I do. But something about going out there, man, it's like being able to have that really, really good successful trip in arguably the most beautiful place in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I've been going yeah, back I- and looking at pictures and videos <laughs> and like, <laughs> Gosh, man, I'd love to go back. I think the trips out there make it easier to swallow like a like an extra tag. Like if you like when we were we had like a couple tags left or whatever, we were totally fine with going home not filling those tags. <laughs> and I think it's a lot easier to do in a pretty place like that versus like I'm not I'm not saying everything out east is uh isn't, you know, pretty or anything, but there's something about the scenery. Like, you know what? I'm fine with just sitting here looking looking out at the scenery yeah. and not feeling a tag. Or sitting sitting somewhere back east. <laughs> sitting in a Florida swamp. Up. Yeah, looking <laughs> at green up and skeeters eating you alive. Uh yeah, it's a lot better out there. I'd never thought about that. An unsuccessful a hunt where you don't kill out west 
is still way better than a hunt that you don't <laughs> than an unexciting hunt in Florida. Like yeah, like you work for these southern birds, man. Like it's it's mostly work. I think out west, mm-hmm. like we we work, you know, we hike and it's hard and whatever. But man, when you get up to the top of that mountain, you're like, holy crap, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're not going to talk about our Montana trip because our uh, our brother Adam he is uh, hanging out at his house with his guts falling out of him right now. Uh, <laughs> he's had some had some issues uh, and in a lot of pain. We talked about it a little bit on a podcast. He told us that he's going to have to have surgery and all that kind of stuff. But um, he's kind of been out pretty bad, I think, this last few weeks and just taking it easy. Um, and so next week, hopefully he's going to be on here and be able to interview us and talk to us about the whole Montana trip. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm super stoked about that, but, um, turkey season's winding down, man. It's, I've got one more little short hunt left in me and I think, uh, I think that's going to be it. Jared, welcome to the show. First off, welcome to the, the limb hanger podcast for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about my season because it's it's been a really good one. <laughs> yeah, it has. You've had a couple of 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 good seasons, kind of back to back. I think last year was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been fun watching you. I think when I first when I first met you, Jared, you were a turkey hunter, but mm-hmm. you were a deer hunter <laughs> that turkey yeah. hunted, and you may still you may still be <laughs> that, um, but. I can definitely tell there's been a some a lot of things have changed for you. Like some things have clicked and you've started figuring stuff out um and become an incredibly effective turkey hunter. Um uh, so congrats, dude. Congrats on a great season. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and like you said, you know, I've I've always been a deer hunter that turkey hunted. I've only been turkey hunting for ten years. This is my tenth year, so I'm relatively new to it. I didn't grow up turkey hunting. Nobody in my family turkey hunted, so um, my good buddy Grant Lemon got me into it, and just every year it's just progressively gotten gotten its hooks in me a little bit deeper. So this year, you know, even more so because I, I started making my own calls, loading my own shells, you know, just the whole deal. So right as soon as deer season was over, I was in turkey mode, and I, I think it helped, you know, pay off pretty big this year. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to consider myself a, a true turkey hunter. I still got a lot to learn, but, you know, I, I feel like I've got a few things figured out, I guess. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something that that will help you. You spend a little bit of time with Joey Bell. That will uh, that will change how, like, you just see how happy and joyful he is, only caring about turkeys and not caring about deer at all. He's so happy. <laughs> He's so happy in the fall, Joey. How do you there's, do it? There's not, uh, there's just not enough room in my tiny brain <laughs> for everything else. <laughs> it's just turkeys, turkeys and concrete. That's about all I'm good for. <laughs> well, uh, Jared, again, we're super excited to have you on. Um, you know, this is the first year, first, first year of us doing the limb hanger turkey hunting podcast. And, um, you know, turkey seasons are starting to wind down, starting to think about like, okay, what, what, could we talk about that? It'll actually be beneficial. I think finding guys like yourself who have experienced a lot of really good hunts in one mm-hmm. season 
um, and ju- and just kind of doing these recap type things like season recaps, learning from different guys who hunted different places. Uh, and you know, it, it seems like it seems to me it seems Jared like when you're around mountains, things die. Like when you're in <laughs> hill, the hill country stuff, stuff dies. Is that is that pretty accurate? I, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fairly accurate. You know, that's what I've always hunted is, you know, mountainous hill country type stuff. So I'm, I guess I'm fairly used to it, you know, with deer and turkeys. But yeah, that's kind of, that's where I feel most at home is in the, in the steep stuff. <laughs> Kicked off in California, right? California. Yep. Well, tell me a little bit about the terrain. We People don't talk a ton about California turkey hunting. Joey, I don't, is there... I've seen like a born and raised video, I think, where mm-hmm. they hunted turkeys in California, and that was about it. Joey, have you heard see, much about it? I see a couple people more and more. It seems like every year, one or two more people go out to California. Um, I don't know, Jared, maybe you can elaborate on it. it. I would almost think that it's intimidating, one, to fly that far or go that far across the country from literally, you know, everybody here in the East. That's a multi day drive or a day long uh or a day in the airports basically and two you know uh, california gets a bad rap because of all the gun laws and you know the way things work out there i would certainly be interested to hear about an actual hunter's perspective about going into california doing some hunting and getting out of there if uh i'm assuming it was probably way different like at the airport or or something like that than it was if you like like when we flew to montana or something i mean there were no nobody gave us a second look carrying around a gun case so i'd be interested to hear about your experience so that's it's actually a misconception um i've been to california on a hunt four times now three for deer and then this was my first trip for turkey and northern california which is where i was at and maybe it's different in the southern part i don't really know but you know i was in the redding area and hunting is very much a way of life in that area um very rural communities um you know the people there are are very very similar to to back east you know hunting is a normal thing um you know doing outdoorsy stuff is is normal so you know flying into california for me at least was exactly like flying anywhere else. It was no big deal at all. Um, we found people very friendly. Uh, we actually got access to some private stuff just by knocking on doors. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't really think about California, but there are a lot of birds in California. I mean, a lot of them and you can get Rio's and Merriam's. So that's really cool. Um, I didn't know they had Merriam's. I did not know that either. Yep. Yep. In the hot country, you can get on, on Merriam's. Yep. Nice. Interesting. Uh, I'm always interested in these, like these States where a guy could get both. Yeah. Like, you know, Florida, you can get your Eastern and you can get your Osceola. Mm -hmm. Some of these Nebraska, I feel like in Nebraska, you can get Eastern's, Eastern's Rio's and Merriam's, right? Yep. You can knock them all three out there. Who knew, who knew California is a place to be? For a turkey yeah. hunter, a lot of public land, a lot of birds. The so, besides your hunting license, um, you only you need an upland bird stamp. It's like twenty one dollars, and you get three birds. So, wow, 
besides the travel getting out there, obviously it's going to cost more, but yeah. as far as the hunting license goes, it's probably one of the cheaper ones you're going to buy. Crazy. I've literally never looked into it. Um, like I said, I watched a born and raised video. I think that just randomly popped up and looked like they were having a heck of a good time doing mm-hmm. it. What, what was it like? Like the, the type of terrain that you were in Jared, like, could you compare it to anything here, uh, back East? Um, the, the areas that we hunted, so there's California had just has so many different types of terrain. So we hunted in the Valley and the Sacramento Valley. Um, and that's where we killed our Rios at. We were hunting olive orchards. So it's just these small little olive hmm. orchards, you know, all flat farm country, but then you get up into more rolling Hills that have Oaks on them. It's just absolutely beautiful, just gorgeous country. And then you can get up into the mountains, into the high country, and it's very much like hunting out west, like Montana, Wyoming, stuff like that. So you can kind of do whatever you want to do, um, you know, whatever kind of terrain you want to get into. And we ran into birds pretty much wherever we went. So, you know, it just kind of depends on what you want to hunt. But from flat farm country to mountains, I mean, you got it all. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Tell me about your hunt. Um, yeah, so it was, it was tough because the weather was terrible. It was, you know, late March had a nasty weather system push in. So it was raining, windy. Um, we only had maybe two good weather days and, uh, my buddy Cisco that I was hunting with, he lives out there. He had got access to a, a small olive orchard and the guy that was running the orchard said, you know, these birds come through here every day, pretty much. So we kind of had some local Intel and there was a flock of birds in there. I don't know how many gobblers there was, maybe 50, 60 gobblers. I don't know. It was insane. So oh they were gosh. all roosted. They were all roosted across this field, um, maybe 300 yards away. And we watched them all pitch down. And they're in this person's yard, just going nuts, chasing each other around, strutting, breeding, just doing turkey things. It was really cool. And they eventually just started working their way toward us and we just kind of had to wait them out. It's just a giant flock of birds. So you can't really call to them. You know, they're just kind of doing their thing, but we had a decoy out and eventually they finally saw the decoy and come running in. So I shot the first one, um, dropped him. My buddy Cisco missed one. So I started doing a real aggressive fighting purr and the one came right back, came running right back in. And uh, he ended up killing that one. So we doubled in, in one morning. So that was, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> That's cute. A double. Man. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the, the more and more I hear people talk about hunting Rios, I think the more and more they're becoming my favorite. Miriams are just pretty and mm-hmm. they're fun because they gobble a lot. But Rios are fun because they come charging into the call. Like they yep. respond to calls a lot better than Miriam's, I think, more yeah. often than not. And Rio is like, God was like, okay, we got to give these guys a break. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. It's like we're going to make a fairly hard goblin turkey that actually comes in to call, spends more time in strut than out of strut. Like, just like... <laughs> All these living too uh, too steep a terrain. Yeah, pretty easy, easy most of the time. To. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yep. That's awesome, man. Um, is, is when when you went to California, obviously you had some you had some uh, some help with uh, with some some buddies that were there. And I think if I'm not mistaken, this is the same guy that you've hunted deer with as well, right? 
Yeah, correct. Yep. Um, now, now, when you go, is there any are there any type of like specific, like I, I, again, I don't know anything about California. Like, you have to hunt with a resident, or like, is there any type of like real crazy restrictions that a guy would need to know about? No, not really. Uh, as far as turkeys go, it's pretty lax as long as you use, uh, you know, non-lead ammo. I think that's the only thing other than that, like there's no check-in procedure. There's no tagging procedure that I'm, that I'm aware of. So it's, I kept asking my buddy, are you sure I don't have to tag this thing? He's like, Oh no, you're good. (laughs) So, but yeah, you kill three birds and yeah, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Man, it's on my radar heavy now. Yeah. You definitely should do it. It's, it's a, it's a good trip. It's definitely a a big change of pace from the east Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah it's it's a lot of fun they open kind of early out there too right don't they open in march sometime yeah march 25th was the opener this year gotcha yep that ain't too bad Mm -hmm. joey did that remind Mm -hmm. you of uh uh old boy at the restaurant that day that was like (laughs) he said uh he said you boys reprinting your tags (laughs) we're like no (laughs) he's like really (laughs) Like it was kind of like like it was odd or bizarre that we were actually using the tags that we purchased <laughs> instead of just not using them at all. Like, yeah, hey, and you adhering to the them. bag limit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> foreign concept for this fella. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird. You know, we we were talking about it on the on our trip. How was it, Florida and Mississippi? That's uh-huh. just now like starting to tag turkeys. I can't get over that. Like, I don't know how you properly manage something. And yeah. not know how many are taken off the landscape. You do the online survey where people are lying through their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Florida. So this this was the first year that you had to register or check them in in Florida. And uh, so I, I, I killed two turkeys in Florida this year, and I killed a couple last year. And last year, I was the same way. I was like, "Crap, we, you know, we don't have to do anything. Like, there's nothing yeah. we have to do." Like you don't even like call somebody or <laughs> you feel a little dirty. Like it does you feel bad. The behind the seat. <laughs> it feels, it feels kind of bad. Like, I yeah, mean, I don't like it. It's a, uh, it, but I could, I could understand, um, like some of these States, like it wouldn't surprise me if a state like Montana, um, had a, a thing like that because most of the, most of the people who are out there don't hunt turkeys. They don't care about turkeys. California, how, what is it like there? Like, is there, is there a pretty big turkey hunting culture, um, locally, I guess? It really didn't seem like it. Um, I mean, as far as like all the other states I've hunted on public land, there was way less pressure. Like we, we didn't really run into anybody Hmm. like even on public. So I, I've, I don't know. Any, anywhere you go that you don't run into people on in public is just strange to me because especially for turkeys, it seems like there's, you know, there's more people hunting public land for turkeys, but yeah, pressure was pretty light where we were at. So I thought that that was pretty interesting. <clears throat> That's, it sounds like a cool hunt. Um, it, yeah. Very cool. It sounds pretty sweet. I've been, I've been kind of closely following you uh, just on your California stuff, because it kind of piques my interest a little bit. I know mm-hmm. you've been there a few times for a few things. We've already talked about that, but, um, even, even talking about deer and kind of anything else, you know, just kind of like that. I think what you said, it's kind of a misconception about California as a whole. 
mm-hmm. because the people that I know who have been to Northern California or from Northern California, they're just not a whole lot different than us. They just maybe talk right. a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, so California is a lot like I've been to 47 states now, and most of them have been for work. So the cities, some of the cities are exactly what you hear about, you know, mm-hmm. on TV or whatever, good or bad. And, but once you get out of those cities, you get an hour outside of a city. I mean, yep. it's a lot of similar folks, just like back East, no matter where you are, East, West, North, yep. South, they're very similar people, just rural, good people. Yep. Totally agree. <clears throat> was there anything Jared different about that hunt? Like tactically, or was it, did it seem pretty true to how you hunt turkeys in West Virginia? Yeah, pretty similar. Um, you know just like you'd run into hand up birds anywhere else. That's pretty much what we were dealing with. Um, uh, the weather is what really screwed us. I mean, it was just not good Turkey hunting weather, cold and rainy and just, just not good. So, um, actually right after I left the weather straightened up and got super nice, of course. And my buddy shot, shot two more, like within two days. And then his son shot two, I think. So I think we just hit the weather bad, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they were just like hunting turkeys anywhere else. They were definitely difficult just because of the big flocks that they were in. I think going out a little bit later would probably be a little bit better, but I kind of wanted to be there for the opener, so that's just what I had to deal with. <laughs> you know, you kind of... Is the weather where you were at, is it pretty consistent with, uh, like, San Francisco? That's Northern California, and everybody talks about how cold it gets in the summer relative to you know back east or just anywhere else uh was is there normal weather kind of cool like in the springtime like i always hear about california having almost the same kind of weather all year long maybe some slight differences so was that yeah. kind of the way it was outside of the bad rainy cold weather that uh, you were talking about yeah i mean the area i was in it can get it gets really hot out there in the summer and it can definitely be you know, really warm in the spring as well. But, you know, typically you're in the, you know, seventies, you know, high during the day. So it's nice weather that time of year. Um, you know, we just, we didn't hit it right. And of course, you know, you plan a trip like that. There's really not much you could do. You just got to deal with it. So yeah. <clears throat> now where you were hunting there, um, you, you said you started like Sacramento Valley, type area that sounds relatively easy like i don't know anything about the sacramento valley is it are you hunting terrain big terrain or mostly flat type stuff no most of the valley is is farmland you know different kind of orchards olive orchards yeah olive orchards um yeah it's mostly just flat you know big farm country the the public that's in the valley is fairly small it's smaller parcels of stuff so that's that's a little tricky to deal with as well. Um, the one BLM piece we were on was like 40 acres, but there were turkeys there. So, you know, just kind of depends on where you're at. And once you get outside of the valley and get kind of up into the mountains a little bit, then you get into the bigger national forest and stuff like that where you can you can roam around a little bit. That's a good topic right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Small property. Mm-hmm. Even for, for deer, it's a great topic. A lot of people are kind of, used to doing that i think for deer because you're sitting in one spot most of the time but when you talk about turkeys people feel a little differently even i do 
but mm-hmm. um i think i think when you talk about like in the deer hunting world you've got overlooked spots right dan and fault talks about that a lot um it's kind of that hunting beast tactic type stuff uh mm-hmm. it's it really works a lot during turkey season i, I see yeah. that for turkeys happen more times i'm not going to say more times than not but I see a lot of guys and have personal experiences. Joey, we had uh, a couple of experience, small property experiences where people just kind of tend to write them off. You know, yeah. um, if you can find a way to get in there, it can be a really stinking good hunt. Um, Absolutely. That's a, that's a great people, topic. I think people write them off because in the, in the day of running gun mobile hunters that were, that we're in right now, if uh if you can cover if you can cover a property in an hour then they'll just drive on by it and or they won't commit to it or anything like that but the small properties like that especially with turkeys you're you're not looking at that property per se you're looking at everything around it absolutely you know banking on them coming through that property um but they're there's not what i tell people all the time uh whenever it gets brought up in like the Marco Polo, you know, Patreon group or whatever. Uh, they ask a question has been asked, like how small is too small of a property for Turkey? My response is you only need as much property as, as a shotgun range. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> if he gets in the property, if he steps on the property line, and it's within 40 yards. That's all the property you needed apparently. Yep. So, I mean, I wouldn't overlook anything if it, if you think there's habitat around there, that's going to hold birds. Yeah. And and we can get into that too. When we talk about my New York trip, because we actually looked for smaller parcels that had the right habitat that bordered it. And that was kind of our whole tactic. And instead of focusing on like one property, we were finding multiple properties that kind of all had the same thing going for it. And then we were just spot checking all of those throughout the morning, just figuring out where the birds were at. And we were like targeting those smaller parcels. Mm-hmm. that's uh that's good dude and we can we can kind of get into that if you want to um into that new york hunt as you're talking right there i'm remind i'm reminded of last turkey season uh on my way home from wyoming i was driving and uh driving through nebraska which um that was the last year that you could just buy a tag in nebraska so i got a little bit lucky um, because now the, I think, what is it? Is it 10,000 or something like that? Non-resident tags or. Sounds right. Something yeah, like they that. They put a cap on it. They put a cap on it. So at the end of the season, there's probably not any left. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there was 10,000 people on that freaking national forest when we were there. So, uh, I would imagine it's, they, they were long gone, but, but what I was doing in, in that particular situation was driving down the interstate on my way home and looking at my mats and noticing these tiny, like tiny WMAs, um, Mm -hmm. that had really good habitat. Um, and you could just, I mean, as you're driving by them, you just like, holy crap. Like if it's been hunted much, there might not be any turkeys on it, but if it hadn't been hunted, like there could be turkeys. And I, in long story short, I ended up killing one doing just that. Um, so talk about that, Jared, y'all got to New York, um, Tell me, you know, what you were looking for and your kind of initial thoughts about it. Yeah. So New York, um, there's a ton of public in New York, or at least the area that I was in. And, um, 
you know, a lot of it was kind of big woods type setting, but we started looking at the smaller parcels that had private fields that butted up against it. And we would just drive around until we saw birds and then pull up on X be like, Oh, there's a piece of public right there. We could probably call them. Like if they're within six, 700 yards, you know, we feel like, you know, you got a shot at possibly calling them in. And that's exactly what we did. The one parcel we spent most of our time in was it was a good terrain feature that connected all of these private fields to one spot. And the one spot was all public. So again, New York, we got hit with terrible weather. It absolutely, it poured the rain down the whole week. <laughs> so that made it tough, but we were on birds all week and we would, we would drive around, see where they were at, kind of where they were headed to. And then we would make a play, you know, run in there, get on public. And uh, yeah, we, and an, another thing that really screwed us in New York was that noon cutoff time, two days that, that came into play where we had birds come in. We're watching them strut, do their thing at 80 yards coming our way. And then right at closing time. So we had to let the, the, the first day, one gobbler, um, he got away from us, had to just let him walk off. It was right at noon. And then, um, the last day there was three gobblers that we called in and they got pretty much into gun range at about 1201. oh man that was that was a tough one because man we grinded hard all week and i actually missed a bird that came in silent and you know kind of took me by surprise and it was one of those deals where he was about 42 yards and he was in strut had his head tucked down i think i just didn't account for that and he rolled and just took off at the shot so just didn't get enough didn't get enough in him so i had my my opportunity should have killed but you know, he got away. And then that last day, you know, it was the same deal. We were, we had checked out a small piece of public, went, got back to the truck, loaded up. We were going to head to another spot. We drove a hundred yards and there's three strutters in the field that borders public. Like, all right, we're in the game. So we run back up in there and, uh, you know, got, got these birds fired up. They were just hammering, but they had some hens with them, but they were slowly working their way toward us. And, uh, ended up getting in a calling contest with another guy that was on private. He was in a much better setup than we were. And <laughs> we were calling back and forth. You know, he was out, he was trying to out call me. I was trying to out call him. And we, we eventually got the whole flock of turkeys to come up into public. Well, the, the public line was about 80 yards from the field edge. So that kind of screwed us too. If the public would have went clear to the field edge, we'd have been fine. We'd have killed, but they needed to come, you know, 80 more yards. And by the time they got up there, it was, you know, 1201. I just had to lay the gun down and watch them strut away. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was a heartbreaker. <laughs> Golly. That hurts. One thing I wanted to ask you, you said it was big woods up there and there's a couple spots I know of around here um, that have just, it almost looks just monotonous, you know, mm-hmm. when you just turn on the satellite and I think it could apply to out West too, when you have just, a huge chunk of, of, you know, where we were in Montana pines. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what I do in the, in the situations like that, when there is just a monotonous uh, satellite image, just turn on the topo map and try to find the, that outlying factor or that outlying habitat feature. Mm-hmm. And around here in most places, it'd be like a Creek bottom, like a wide Creek bottom. 
in yep. amongst hills and hollers. Is that kind of similar to what you were finding birds in up there, or is there something else you were looking for uh, when you were just looking at big big woods properties? Yeah, that's that's actually the one thing that I I look for in in big woods type stuff. And this is what this this will tie into the Virginia trip that I took this year. Um, it was all big national forest, mountainous, you know, kind of monotonous type stuff. And that's exactly what I look for is a, some sort of Creek bottom or a couple Creek bottoms that come together where there's multiple ridge points where they can roost. And then if you can find some kind of edge within that, either pines or a clear cut or something like that, there's typically turkeys in there. At least that's what I've seen. So I, that's something I'd definitely look for. Yeah, and not to not to give not to give a whole lot away from our Montana trip, but we were finding more turkeys in kind of maybe the outlying or foothills of those areas, those big monotonous areas. When you yep. agree, Parker, like it yeah. wasn't in the middle. It wasn't in the middle of these big giant expanses of uh, public. Dude, I would <laughs> say that's pretty. That's pretty accurate to all of the hunting that I do ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and honestly, I was just sitting here thinking about it five minutes ago, thinking about just being on these edge edge type properties, and I'm I'm trying to think of turkeys that I've killed just in turkeys or deer. Honestly, I've probably killed more deer this way, but um, turkeys. How many have I killed a, like far away from a property line? And there might not be any of them. <laughs> honestly, I may not have ever killed a turkey in the heart of a WMA. Um, I was going to say my Florida birds, but nope. <laughs> All of them come <laughs> off of private property <laughs> onto the public. So, you know, I think that's just just a great overall tactic because especially in states like, um, well, pretty much any state, you can't bait on public land. Uh, and so when you have these big, giant, monotonous pieces of property, the only real food variation or like man-made type food sources are going to be in our case in Montana was around these cattle properties. I mean, that was, they were, they had food there. They had water in most of those places. They had greener grass, um, all that stuff. Then they had in the freaking Ponderosa pines, there wasn't much, they don't have much. And Mm -hmm. so they like the terrain features. I believe, I think they like that terrain, but they're going to choose that same terrain, maybe even lesser, if it can be in close proximity to that food source, I think deer the same way. Alabama's not a baiting state, or it is a baiting state now, and so you can safely assume that those private lands are are at the very least getting corn, right? They're just getting corn to heck, um, which is probably going to produce bigger deer than you know <laughs> briars in the in the middle of an Alabama <laughs> national forest. So I, I think it's an overall good tactic no matter what you're looking at is trying to get close to those private properties. Um, but going back to what you were talking about, Jared, um, or what you were talking about, Joey, Jared, you'll know this in the places that we've hunted in Kentucky together. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's monotonous and, yeah. and it, it really is. It makes it so much stinking easier to just turn off any imagery and just use those topo lines. And then what you can do mm-hmm. is start piecing stuff together, find the good thing, good terrain, which is going to be the most important there. Then turn on your satellite. This is what I usually do. Turn on my satellite and then start looking at the vegetation and the habitat, you know, and maybe trying to find something where I can get both of those things together. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I, that, that was really um, an interesting thing because I was just thinking about, it, like, I don't think I've ever killed a turkey in the heart of a place. <laughs> um, and maybe, honestly, if I looked at it, maybe not even a deer, uh, just because I, I feel like that's such a successful tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, going back, I'm the same way, thinking about deer and turkeys. Most of them are pretty daggone close to that edge, that property line. You know, so you can't be afraid to, to get in close. You know, obviously I, I try to stay far enough back. I'm not tempted at all to shoot on the private. So try to stay out of range of them, but you know, that's where, that's where there's animals are hanging out is around those edges. So. Absolutely. What was the, what was the, um, I know you said in California, you had like the olive orchards and stuff. What's kind of like the main type food sources you find in place like new york i've never hunted like that kind of east coast area so i don't really know what to expect when i when i do one day um the area we were in there was a lot of uh cut corn fields um you know obviously they're gonna they're gonna eat acorns and and stuff like that so you know they're eating you know little buds and flowers and you know whatever they can find pretty much the same as as west virginia here they're just kind of a they're eating a little bit of everything there's not one food source really keyed in on it's cornfields that that was kind of what i was looking for like Mm -hmm. just those things that you can look at on a map and say there is a food there's food there you know you can't look at every pasture on a map and assume that it's got something you know great in it but you know when you go out to some of these places midwest um Anywhere I've ever hunted Midwest, it's got a lot of bean and soybean and cornfields. And a lot of times those fields grow, grow back up in like a, um, I don't even know what it is. I'm not a farmer. Uh, it's like, Hey, winter wheat, um, stuff like that. in the wintertime. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll kind of just grow back up and that's what you usually get during turkey season, which is great. And what, what I've seen, um, especially when you've got bugs, start hatching mm-hmm. and things like that. And what I'm getting at here is just, you know, I know Jared, you're very good at looking at a map and kind of being able to being able to look at a map from your home. A lot of people can't do this. You can't look, they can't look at a map and, and, and have a good idea of what to do. They, they have to get the boots on the ground. So Jared, right. I'm, I guess what, what I'm really wondering is like kind of your process for, hunting up all these different states i think you hunted six states is that you said five or six five or six yeah (laughs) five or six states um you obviously can't do a whole lot of scouting and and i mean you've got research pretty much everything has to be done online so what are you doing when you go in a place like new york for example i'm really just looking for diversity you know i you know there's probably turkeys in in those big woods places where there's not much different diversity i'm sure there is but you know when on a short out-of-state trip you know i'm trying to find you know a couple different creek bottoms coming together ridge points you know a couple clear cuts you know any kind of opening in in the woods just you know the, the more diversity you know it's just like scouting for deer you know the more edge you've got water you know there's typically going to be there's going to be critters there so i don't really overthink it um the the Virginia trip that I took was a perfect example. I wasn't even planning on this trip. Like we, we went to California, we got back 
and I had a like a week to kill between California and West Virginia opener. So I was like looking around to see what was in. I was like, shoot, Virginia's in and it's, you know, three and a half hours from me. So um, I literally zoomed in on a map to the National Forest and I was like, that spot looks good. There was there was like three ridge points that came together. There was a like a there was a knob on the end of this point that was covered in pines. And then the adjacent ridge to the east of that was clear cut and it looked like it was nice and open. So I was like, there's water, there's a clear cut, there's pines and hardwoods mixed together. There's got to be turkeys there. <laughs> that was literally all the thought that I put into it. And it, it's hilarious because um, I loaded up, drove down there three and a half hours, got there with probably, I don't know, an hour and a half before dark. And I parked at the gate that I, that I marked on Onyx and I walked a hundred yards and that bird gobbled right on the point that I had marked. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like it just doesn't <laughs> work out like that. And he was one of those birds where he would hammer to the owl hoot every single time. So I was able to kind of pinpoint, you know, walk from one spot to the next and really get a good pinpoint on him. And yeah, it just, it worked out perfect. <laughs> did you kill him? Was that, um, Go ahead, Parker. I was going to say, did you kill him that night or did you kill him the next morning? I killed him the first, the next morning. Okay. It, it, you, could, you could only hunt till noon at that time. So, oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, Is so, that kind of the, uh, the mountainous terrain that you were kind of referring to? I can't remember yeah. if it was before we were recording or what, but was that kind of up in the mountains, those national forests? Like, yep. I know West Virginia is notorious, uh, for mountain birds. Um, are you still looking for those ridge points, you know, in the mountain kind of terrain? Because we just have like hills and hollers around yeah. here. So it's real easy to see those ridges, you know, mm -hmm. kind of standing off and uh, doing their thing. But I didn't know what it was like, uh, like when you get up into the mountains, are you kind of factoring in more? Like, you, are you looking at benches a lot more uh, maybe than you would around here? Or uh, is there anything different that you do up in the mountains? Yeah. So where I'm at here in West Virginia, the ridge tops are fairly wide and flat. And then you'll have benches off the side of that. And you don't have a whole lot of points. Like the ridges are just big, long, you know, they could be two miles long and they're fairly flat on top. So you'll have good hunting on the very top of the ridge because it's nice and flat. Um, where I was at in Virginia, it was more like an actual mountain. There was a big, big main ridge. It was really steep. And then you had all these um, like foothills, like little finger ridges that came off and that's mm -hmm. what i was focused on because the 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 higher elevation doesn't green up quite as fast so those lower elevation foothills that are closer to the water were greened up a good bit and that's mm -hmm. that's mainly what i was focused on was were those lower elevation kind of ridges and points right and i imagine too when uh when you're hearing turkeys gobble it's easier out there or in these mountains to determine if he's up high or if he's down low. And I always hear if they're up high, there's a better chance that they're alone or don't, or they're not roosted with hens versus mm -hmm. if they're down low and in some of those bottoms or whatever, that they may have some hens with them because the hens are going to go to that food. You know, that's their number right. one priority. So was it a little easier to kind of determine lone gobblers versus maybe flocks that were roosted down in the bottom? I, I kind of see it both ways. I mean, I've seen them roost up high with hens and I've seen them roost down low with hens. So there's kind of, there's really no rhyme or reason, at least that I've seen. Um, typically in the early part of the 
the season. Maybe not the early, early part of the season, like in the West West Virginia opener. I think we opened the 17th of April. Um, the birds didn't have hens yet. They were kind of still flocked up uh, with, you know, other gobblers. So that made it a little bit easier. But then as the season progresses, they're typically with hens, roosted with hens pretty much the whole time. So yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. It's kind of situational. Mm-hmm. So had a great season. We've talked about California, talked about New York, talked about Virginia. Now we'll talk about the home front a little bit. We'll talk about West Virginia. Um, Now, West Virginia seems to be always – you seem to be an opening day kind of guy in West Virginia a lot of years. Was it uh, similar this year? Yeah, so I have the opportunity to do a little more scouting um, here locally. I'll run trail cameras for them and kind of figure out where they like to hang out. And that really plays in big for the opening day because I already know where they want to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm usually there waiting on them, but I've got a spot um, here close to home that for whatever reason, um, it's just a, a good spot for turkeys. It's a kind of a, a saddle in a ridge, nice, pretty green, open kind of grassy spot. And that's, that's kind of where all the turkeys go to meet up like first thing in the morning, it seems like. So, the past four years I've killed on opening day right there and they've all been really big birds. I think they've, I've killed four birds out of there with inch and a half spurs. So wow. it's a really good spot. It's a high fence, <laughs> high fence turkeys. Yeah. You've got the mineral poured too. You, you yeah. got, they got, they got trail cameras up and they got dang boss Tom feed out there. <laughs> but man, West Virginia, the opening week of this year was it was probably the best week of turkey hunting I've ever had. Um, my my buddy Rob Mendoza, he works for Tethered now. He's he kind of runs camera and helps do some of that stuff. But his plan, he was going to come down and hunt with me that week, and uh, he wasn't able to get down until Monday afternoon. Our opener started Monday morning, and I killed my bird right off the bat Monday. And then I told him, I was like, "Get a tag because you're up to bat." So. He got his tag. We went out the next morning. He killed his bird in the same spot. And <laughs> then we we flip-flopped. I back me back on the gun again. We go to a buddy's place a couple miles down the road. I kill that morning right off the bat. And then Rob kills one like an hour later. So he killed four birds in like three days of hunting or something like that. <laughs> Cali in West Virginia. So uh, I know West Virginia is a, a decent state. You know, it's a it's a good state for deer and turkeys. Um, you don't hear people talk about it a lot. Uh, no. I, I assume it's because I assume it's because of the terrain. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. And you know, we don't we don't have a ton of public land. I mean, there's a lot of national forest in the you know south east part of the state but that's that's pretty tough hunting for turkeys there's not a lot of them down there but outside of that i mean west virginia is a probably a sleeper state i would say for turkeys there's a lot of birds here um our season opens fairly early um birds aren't quite hinned up yet so that first week of season is really really good and this year the weather was awesome for the first week so it was just it was absolutely killer, but yeah, there's there's a lot of birds in this area, so it's really really good. Then That's you... kind of one thing that I don't hear really hear about uh, uh, 
states opening up before they get hinned up. Like I, I think I hear a lot about you know they're 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 in big flocks, but they're they're big flocks with gobblers and hens and everything else. Mm-hmm. I don't hear many states that open before that stage to where they're easier to call in. They may be easier to call in before they've even you know gotten with some hens. I just right. don't hear that very often. It's always Tennessee used to be like that. You know, uh, this year we opened two weeks later than we normally do, but we were just like you know we were open we would open and they'd be hinned up be pretty hard hunting for that first week or so actually and uh i was actually kind of glad that they opened two weeks later because we had some <laughs> phenomenal hunting uh that mid-april time frame after you know the hens have started to go to nest mm-hmm. so it's just it's interesting to hear that a state opens so early that it's before they get hinned up yeah and it's it's something that i've I've kind of noticed the pack because our season used to come in a little bit later April and it, it seemed like it was tougher when it opened then. But now that it opens a little bit earlier, um, now you can run into some bad weather where it's real cold. I've yeah. hunted in the snow opening day here, but yeah, for whatever reason, especially this year, I don't, we've had two really good hatch years the past two years and there's just a lot of gobblers right now. Um, mm-hmm. The first, the first day, the one that I killed, I called in four of them that were together, four gobblers. And then the next day, uh, the one that Rob killed, we called in three and it was a different group than the, the one that I, I called in. And, uh, then the neck later in the week when I killed mine, he was, that bird was alone, but then the bird, the, the second bird that Rob killed, there was like six gobblers in that group. You know, there wasn't a hen to be found. They were just <laughs> big pile of gobblers. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I wonder. Yeah, you, go ahead, Parker. I was just gonna say, like in in years past, like did this year seem like, did it seem like there was just a bunch of two year olds, or did it has it always kind of been like that volume of gobblers in that area? This is the first year that I've called in multiple gobblers like several different times. Usually, it's one bird, you know, and it's you know generally a pretty decent bird. Um, I don't seem to kill a lot of two-year-olds here. They seem to be, you know, bigger birds. But even the ones we shot this year, I don't think they were two-year-olds. I mean, the one I shot, he was—he had a 12-inch beard and was spurs were inch and five sixteenths. And I don't know what the rest of them were. They all looked just as big as he was. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, Joey, you and I have just been talking about that, you know, a lot here in the last couple of weeks about these different states with the hatch numbers it's definitely seeming like this year two years ago there must have been a a, an exceptional hatch and i and i heard that from a lot of people last year saying they saw a ton of jakes um and you mentioned it too joey i know Mm -hmm. yeah and that was uh that was kind of my comment uh you said you had a good hatch in 2021 you know that's just another it's like you said, Parker, that's just one more state that had a good hatch in 2021. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it just further, I don't know that it confirms my theory, but I am very confident that weather has such an impact on uh, poult success. I mean, nest success, yes. I think if you, like, for instance, in Tennessee, there was a decade, there was well over a decade where we had flooding, tornadoes, just horrible weather for a week or two weeks, that late April, early May time frame, when the 
either nests have they're full of eggs or they're about to hatch, you know, with that real critical time frame. And I think a lot of nests just get wiped out by that bad weather. And in 2021 and 22, we didn't have that. And as far as I know, this spring, we haven't had hardly any bad weather in this up till now. And I would anticipate another good hatch this year, but it, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the weather has just had such an effect on everything the past decade that it is hinted towards a decline when maybe it's so cyclical. You know, turkeys are so cyclical. If you know one or two good hatches, uh, it, two or good hatch years in a row, and the population could grow twenty five percent probably in some areas. Um, so I don't know. I'm anxious to see what comes out. You know how many poults we got around, you know, come summertime, this June, July time frame when you see a lot of them running around, I would, uh, but I would be willing to bet that we have another good hatch year this year. Joey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's been really good weather here. And uh, like you said, there's a lot of jakes this year. I mean, I saw a group of eight of them the first day, so they're, they're all still running around. I just saw them the other day. So I'll be anxious to see what it looks like after this year, but yeah, it's, it's been pretty solid as far as numbers go. Mm-hmm. I noticed Joey just to confirm what you're talking about about them being so cyclical. Is that the word? Is that the right word? Cyclical. It, it sounds like not, a dirty. It, it sounds like a dirty word when it comes out of your mouth. <laughs> cyclical. Um, I'll have to cyc- Google it. Cyclical. Uh, cyclical. I think that's right. Is is that right? Anyway, uh, when I was in Texas, I've talked about it several times. When we lived there, growing up, there's turkeys everywhere. Um, on our deer lease that we had, there's turkeys all over the place. You'd see big giant flocks during deer season come into your, come straight into the feeder and just eat every last <laughs> piece of corn that was in that little pen, you know. And um, but all of a sudden, my junior year or my, I think it was my actually my senior year in high school, they were just gone, just freaking gone. Like you might see a a lone hen. Every once, like very sparingly, but it went from being like amazing to all of a sudden just gone. And, uh, and I know now it's back to being freaking awesome again, right there. And it, I, I do remember us having a drought that was West Texas. So drought is fairly normal. Um, but that particular year, even the deer hunting was bad. Like it, it felt like, you know, it was just, it was very, very dry. I want to say we had a lot of fires that year, not, maybe not on our lease, but that's how dry it was. It was just drought and it cut a very good turkey population down to just nothing. And so, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, I think it's easy. I appreciate the States. Uh, we don't talk about this a lot for a reason because we're not biologists and we're not scientists, but I can <laughs> say that I do appreciate the States that are, um, similar doing similar to what Tennessee has done, and and allowing the breeding to happen, right? And so you so you you make sure that 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 happens, and then also, but but then you have the the unknowns, the things that only God can control, which are things like weather, uh, and you just can't you can account for it maybe, but you can't depend on it being right every single year, and so uh, you know it. it it's kind of what you said, Joey. It may be a, an unknown thing. Like, like it's just the way it is. This is how turkey populations go. We just don't have maybe enough study to, to say that that is what's going on. Um, yeah, and it's hard to 
I think it's hard to quantify things like that, like weather. Yeah. Um, unless you just, I mean, you could probably do a decade's worth of surveys, pulse surveys or whatever, and maybe come up with some kind of trend. But I mean, I noticed it immediately in 2021. Like I, re- I remember seeing pulse in Tennessee the last weekend of turkey season, which would have been that, you know, 15th, it's the middle of May. And I remember that Tuesday or sometime early that week after the season ended, I was seeing pulse the size of pigeons because, you know, they were early hatch. They made it through the time period where in the past we had that bad weather. And so we had lots of good early hatches. They were already big enough to fly, you know, which is, super important that two, that first two weeks when they can't fly mm-hmm. and they had already made it past that point. So I'm, I, I'm just a big proponent of, you know, watching that weather and kind of anticipating whether or not we're going to have a pretty good hatch based off of that. Absolutely. So Jared, going back to your season, dude, uh, I know there's one more state that we haven't talked about. That's PA. Is that right? Is that the only one that we left out? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about PA. I, I know, uh, virtually nothing about Pennsylvania. I, I do know that we have a pretty high, um, on the Southern Ground podcast, we pr- have a pretty high listenership from there. And so I think it's a pretty highly pressured state from everything I've heard. Is uh, is that true? Did you deal with a lot of the Pennsylvania <laughs> hunting pressure stories? So judging by the amount of shots I heard on opening day, I would say that that is very correct. <laughs> <laughs> So a buddy of mine, um, the buddy that I hunted with opening week here in West Virginia, um, he got access to a small, it's like 70 acre, uh, piece of private in Southwest Pennsylvania. It's actually real close to some of the public land that I hunt. So he asked if I wanted to go with him opening day in Pennsylvania. So I tagged along and, uh, I don't know how many gunshots I heard like pretty close by, but there was a lot of gunshots. <laughs> I was pretty surprised. I mean, it sounded like opening day of rifle season, it was <laughs> that bad. but there's a lot of birds in Southwest Pennsylvania, at least, you know, the area that I hunt and, uh, dude opening day. So we kind of, we'd never been on this property before. So we were just kind of working our way through it, just kind of figuring it out. And, uh, we struck up a bird probably nine o'clock or so. We ended up calling him in and he was being real cautious. You could tell he was probably an older bird. And my buddy ended up missing him, just took a shot that was too far. So he he was kind of bummed out that he missed. So we were kind of just working our way back to the truck. And we spotted a bird strutting at the end of this property in this kind of, there's a field. And then there's a, a logging road that comes out of the field that leads back into the woods. So this bird was strutting with a hen and... We got eyes on him, watched him breed the hen, and he kind of went over this little knoll. And as soon as he did, we just took off running to get up there to him. So we get up, get pretty close. I start calling, and uh, this bird gets fired up. So the t- uh, the tactic that we've used quite a bit this year is kind of like elk hunting, where you have a collar back up 50, 60 yards and kind of tag team them. And I really think that's a really effective way to call them in. So that's what we did in this situation was I dropped back, started calling, got the bird fired up. My buddy worked his way into position and he, he eventually got a shot on this bird and killed it. This thing had 
inch and seven eighths spurs, like legit, dang near two inch spurs. The biggest, biggest spurs I've ever seen on a turkey, just an absolute giant. Wow. <laughs> so he kills this thing opening day. And then uh, the property owner told me I could come back and hunt it again if, if I wanted to. So I went back, um, it was probably a week later or so. And I got on that same bird that he had missed in the same spot. And he put a pretty good whooping on me. He got, <laughs> I, I thought for sure it was, it was a done deal. I had him at 60 yards. He was coming and man, he got around me, got above me. And then that was pretty much game over when they get, when they gained the high ground like that. Mm -hmm. And he got away from me. So I ended up going back the next morning and I set up in a spot where I felt like I was in a lot better position to kill him. And he did almost the same exact thing. He came off the ridge point. He was roosted on and he was with a hen. So he was just kind of slowly working his way toward me. And I could hear the hen yelping a little bit. You know, she was doing that muted yelp. So I knew she wasn't too far away. So I'm kind of sitting there on pins and needles and he hadn't gobbled anymore in a probably a half hour. So I didn't know where they were at or how close they were. And I'm just sitting there and I spot the hen coming up out of the woods into the kind of the opening that I'm sitting in. And then here he comes full strut hmm. right into the, opening. and I've got my gun down off of my knee, kind of not in position. And I've got a hen decoy out eight yards from me real close. So I typically don't use decoys when I do, it's generally a single hen. That's what I like to use. So he spots that decoy and he's strutting right toward the decoy and he honestly gets too close. <laughs> so I've got the gun off of my knee and I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm like, I got to get this gun up so I can kill him, but I can't move. I can't do it quickly. So I'm just slowly trying to get the gun up and he ended up busting me and, but he wasn't quick enough. He took off running, but he, uh, he, he didn't zig or zag quite fast enough and I got him, <laughs> but it turned out to be that same bird that he, he had missed. And then I had the encounter with the day before and, uh, he was a real good bird too. I mean, he had good spurs on him, good beard, nice, heavy bird. So that was, uh, that was my one Pennsylvania tag. I've still got one tag. Um, I, I did make it out on public up there last week and didn't hear much. It's getting to be that point in the season where it's getting pretty tough, but I might try to make it out one more time to, to close out my season there, but yeah, Pennsylvania at least filled one tag there. So it was good. <laughs> when, uh, when you were talking about uh, tag team and a Turkey and having the caller get behind the shooter, uh, I think it was before we started recording, you said you got a little more aggressive with your calling this year and you think it paid off. Uh, what is it that you did different? Like what, what kind of aggressive calling did you do that you think helped you kill so many more birds? So I hunted with someone a lot this year and not just by myself. I'm typically by myself. So when I'm hunting with, you know, another person, we would do what we called hen parties where I, I start cutting and yelping and he starts cutting and yelping. And then we're walking, kind of moving around. We're trying to sound like a group of hens and then, you know, we even throw a couple gobbles in there at certain points, you know, situational, obviously, but, um, yeah, just trying to sound like a group of turkeys. And I think it sounds so much more realistic when you do that. All the birds we called in this year came 600 yards a long, long ways. And that happened multiple times kind of using that tactic. So that was, that was, you know, I've done it in the past before, but this year we really focused on it 
and really did a did it a lot and uh man it, it really really paid off i was really surprised wow you know talking about that joey um i have had more hunts this year that seem to be successful with other people um we've talked about it a lot we've talked about soft calling a lot we really mm-hmm. hit on that but these walking through the woods moments just being kind of a vital part of my turkey hunt where whereas used to they did they, they weren't i don't feel like i feel like my walking was just walking getting from spot to spot and yeah. now slowing down um, especially when there's a group of guys slowing down and and like we did in montana um just soft calling our way like we're just a flock of yeah. hungry hens you know um so. just clucking and purring and doing our thing and then stopping at those good spots and casting one out there mm. uh, i think a lot well, of people two, two, go ahead i was just gonna say i think a lot of people um get so caught up with like we got to strike one yeah but you might not strike one if you don't sound like if he hears a group of people walking through the woods not making turkey sounds uh you may not ever strike him and so i think that's it, it helped me with um the first the very first bird i killed this year in in florida i truly believe i killed that turkey because me and eli were walking through that swamp walking down that property line doing just that just and then we sat down and as soon as we sat down we killed the turkey like almost immediately i pulled out the aluminum <laughs> hit it and they were 50 yards away and so, you know, I, I think a lot of, there's been, we talked about it in our podcast, maybe like last week or the week before that, there's a lot of turkey content, I guess, creators and stuff that, that say the, the biggest mistake, we've all heard this, the biggest mistake you can make as a, as a turkey hunter is to call too much. But I think when done right, it's fine. Keep making turkey noises all day. You just got to do it the right way. Know what each call means. Um, yeah. Do just what you're saying, Jared. You know, having those really trying to get, I like that. Did you say hen fest? Hen party. Hen yep. party. <laughs> I like that, that hen party. I think um, I'm probably going to steal that. Yeah. Just over here throwing a hen party. <laughs> well, you're talking about uh, walking through the woods. Uh, how much more realistic does it sound, you know, with two or three guys walking through the woods? And you don't have that, you know, that two step of a one person, uh, of one person walking through the woods. It's probably harder to tell if it's turkeys or a dude, you know, or whoever walking through the woods, if there's a group of them. And then you add in turkey sounds. I mean, that sounds super realistic, if you ask me. Just a lot of leaves rustling and some turkey sounds versus one footstep after the other and some turkey sounds makes a difference i bet yeah i really think so well fellas we're getting up here towards the end of our time and uh jared thanks a lot for coming on man you've had a heck of a turkey season it's been really fun to follow along yeah i appreciate you having me on it's always good talking with you parker and hopefully i can uh get out one more day here and maybe fill one more tag before it's over (laughs) but if not there's a country song. One more day. <laughs> I got, I got, I'm with you, man. I got two more. I got two and a half, probably more days of turkey hunting that I'm going to do in Tennessee. And then I'm going to be 
doing what you did, Joey, what you did yesterday. That was a bad day yesterday. Had a hard time. Cleaning that I wish gun. you hadn't brought it up, actually. <laughs> put up put up my vest and old down the gun and stuck Ugh. her in the safe for, for a little while longer. But my wheels are kind of already turning for next spring since I ain't going to be able to hunt no more this spring. Jared, just real quick, you got any anything that pops up that you want to do next spring? Oh, man, I, I've got to get a Merriam's, man. I've That's been – I've – I've wanted to kill one for so long and you guys going out there and just whacking and stacking them, man, that makes me want to go out just that much more. So yeah, that's definitely on the radar, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I'm not trying to do, you know, the 49 state thing, but every year I'm like, man, I want to knock off a couple new States. So, you know, there's, there's lots of States I haven't killed turkeys in. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. try to maybe pick a new state or two every year and tackle it and, you know, see what happens sounds good to me well fellas again thanks for for coming on both you guys and uh if you guys listening man if you got a little bit left in you pretty much if you're in what tennessee anywhere out west wisconsin northeast uh yeah northeast do they go all the way through may maine goes maine maine goes into june June. michigan goes into june so there's a couple of places you still got weeks of turkey season left. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee, our Tennessee brethren are, are the only ones in the South, I guess, still hunting them, right? Yeah. And I bet you, I hadn't, I hadn't hunted in Tennessee, you know, the, in May this year, but I bet you it's going to be hot. I don't know. I, I looked at the weather the other day for this upcoming weekend. You got pretty good weather. Yeah. You know, I think the highs are in the seventies for, <laughs> and for Memorial Day weekend golly it's I'll been that, that way all, all year all <laughs> year dude i have mm-hmm. not had a turkey hunt that i didn't start off in a hoodie all yeah. season long <laughs> which is freaking awesome like i'm yeah. grateful yeah. for that <laughs> yeah i'll take that weather all day long but it sucks when it gets middle of the day and you're like flip i gotta take this hoodie off and you gotta carry that joker all day in your <laughs> in your bag it's nice if you mm-hmm. gotta sit if you sit for a little while you got a little cushion yeah. uh anyways yeah let's get off of this thing guys uh thanks for listening limbhanger turkey hunting podcast we had a blast making this thing throughout this spring i'm sad to see spring coming to a close but i think we can squeeze out just a few more episodes that are relevant to what's going on right now to a turkey hunter and uh so we're gonna try we're sure as heck gonna try but we'll talk to you next week Hey, thanks for listening to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods as the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>